Fire up your engines. You've made it to tough shit. Podcast puts first world problems into perspective. We're your hosts. I'm Corey. Oh, hang on. Wait. Um, me amo Chris. Hi, Chris. Yo soy un hombre. I can only imagine your story involves tu, mm, speaking Spanish. Tu eres un hombre. Oh, fucking kill me. I, it does. <laughs> Wait. Can I do it? In, can I do it in English too? Just what, in case nobody can speak Spanish. What's your fucking name, pal? I'm Chris. <laughs> fucking that was, pulling okay. teeth. <laughs> you are blowing lace. Yes, you have made it tough shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, Why do you we, say start your engines at the front? Because it's road trip. Oh, okay. I thought you changed it and didn't tell me. Like change the intro. No. And then I thought maybe because no. you changed the music. I did. Yes, I changed the music, and that's not by choice. That's because Anchor no longer has that past music so hope you all like the new music <laughs> you know what else we can't do on anchor which makes me laugh so fucking much um it was a couple episodes ago Corey maybe mentioned turning ads on oh they're on i'm just still waiting for an ad but we don't we don't have enough, enough listeners to make it worth their while <laughs> uh, uh, okay i'm done this? go ahead <laughs> our last episode ever all right yeah, you made it tough shit. Give us a follow over at Instagram at TS Podcast Official. Uh, we try to put stuff up over there every time we do a new episode. Uh, please follow us on Spotify or Pandora. Uh, leave us a kind review or rating. Uh, if you want to leave a bad review, make sure you include Chris's name and he's the reason why you're leaving the bad review. Do you believe uh, that? What? I didn't say what? What? Never mind. Um, T-shirts are no longer available. So if you wanted one, you're shit out of luck. Oh, wait. Yeah, you haven't even been keeping me updated on this. Still, there's no point. You don't pay. Oh, I know why. That's okay. right. We won't get into it. But what we are going to have more coming. We're just uh, we're the working t-shirts, on something yes, different. The, the T-shirts are no longer available. Uh, but I think in the future we do want to do different designs and things. But when they come out, we, we don't let know. You know. Yeah, we'll let you know. Uh, we are still compiling questions to do a full Q&A episode someday. Uh, Which we, means that people have actually submitted questions. Yeah, I, I asked on Instagram and sent a bunch out to people to say, hey, send us your questions. And we have got more than one in one month. So, And we know who you are. Yes. And a big hearty thank you. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, send Gracias. us your questions. You can send us anything. Uh, we'll maybe answer it. Uh, okay uh let's see still doing one episode a month for a little while uh we're, we're trying to make them longer uh including longer stories and more of uh more banter if that's what you want <clears throat> uh yeah now that the world's getting back to normal our free time's getting burnt up fairly quickly and if you don't want more banter send us an email about it and we'll do it during our banner show we'll answer that we, we don't have a banter show isn't that what the and a will be q and a will be a q and a episode questions oh. and answers all right, never mind. <laughs> Ban- oh, yeah, banters make are useless sense, garbage. They, if, they said, if they sent us an email saying they didn't like the banter, that would be a statement. That would be a statement. So, we, so if, we did if a sh- they asked it as a question, they would say, why does your banter suck? Oh, okay. That would be a question. And then question. we could banter about it. We but could. if we ever did a show, a sideshow about statements, then we could put that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had the thing here about ads, but Chris already touched on that. We are too small. <laughs> You know what's weird? That's though? why I touch it. No, when I started this, it, we were offered ads. I just never turned them on. And then when I finally turned them on, it's like, oh, we're still waiting to get you an ad. I think I'm almost certain that everyone was stuck inside doing nothing for the last two years. 
and well three years whatever so they were more likely to have uh online revenue to give to people where not that's not the case now so little peons like you and i aren't don't get offered ads hey whatever i don't really care it's so yeah so continue to enjoy the show ad free uh if you do want to support us though you can support us directly through the anchor fm link in the show notes that's uh, 99 cents a month, or there is other higher tiers. Or we'll give you our addresses and you can send us some money order. No, we will not do that. <laughs> Why you keep offering that? I I, I'll give them your address. The, well, you live next door to me. What so side? That, the front side. What side's that? I don't know directions. So wait, know. hang on. i got to think of where the latest All right, we're going to stop West? that before you dox us. Never anyway. Soggy Wheaties. West. So, yes, the, the best thing to do, share the show. It's free. Uh, if you would be so kind to put it on your social media or, even better, tell a real-life human in real life, in real person, in real time. Do you do that? Do you tell people about our show? We had a family reunion yesterday, and I Mandy's told some people there. I'm usually too embarrassed because I love like, how your wife jumps right. Oh in. yeah, she loves it because I'm afraid like if it's family and like I tell and they find out and like like oh that's just so cool that you do that and like it might elevate the conversation for a little while during that interaction. Yeah, and I'm afraid they're gonna go listen to it and like just listen to the first few. I only talk about shitting on my hands, mm-hmm. and then like they'll just not talk to me at the next reunion. I think we have to live with the fact we have shitty early episodes i think everybody does though oh yeah i don't know it seems like when i get into a podcast i don't really listen to the first few i used to because i'm a completionist Mm -hmm. and i still do with some stuff wouldn't that just be your ocd finally the other day i was listening to a uh, uh, one i listened to with like interviews with authors Mm -hmm. and i came across the guy like it was like it maybe it was cool but he's just like painful to listen to no it just i wasn't interested in it but my i started it anyway it wasn't something i was interested in but like you Mm -hmm. know what i don't need to do this i can i have limited time yeah and i can spend it however i wish it's currency spend it properly yes like we were talking it's social currency like we were talking the other day yeah i'm burning up a lot of it right now i'm broke after the last couple of days. Uh, yeah. How many have you given out any cards? Do you still have cards to give out? I do have cards to give out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I use them for bookmarks. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. Because I'm waiting to like, maybe like one day I'll be sitting on a bench somewhere reading a book and I'll have that card out and I'll be wearing like, I don't know, like some t-shirt that I'm into and somebody will be like, oh, you're really into I don't know, fucking Adventure Zone or something. Like, yeah. what are you reading? Like, I'm reading this book on... I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. Swords. And uh, they're like, I love swords. And they're like, is that a podcast card? I say, yes, it is. And then they tell all their friends. Now, you got to just get it out of the way. You can't wait for that perfect moment. Like, I'll see just, uh, I'll, I'll come across someone and be like, hey, do you listen to any podcasts? And usually it's like, eh, not really or no. And then that's just a dead, awkward silence. Like, oh, okay. I was just wondering. And then they're like, why? Like, oh, my friend and I started one, and we have cards. Here you go. Check it out. Or I do occasionally get the, like, yeah, I listen to a lot. I love podcasts, which I did this week. So, Well, good for you. It yeah. sounds like you're doing a great job. Promoting the show yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> that we're trying to build up. I do have something to promote before we start, um, but you can get through your shit first if you want. Yeah. Oh, uh, seeing as these are uh, longer episodes and we, aren't, we haven't done uh, soft serves, little quick small talk. How has your month been, Christopher? I've barely seen you. Is that what we do in soft serve? Yeah. Small talk? Yeah. Banter? Free talk. Tick attack? Uh, and been, positive stories. It's been really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Busy as all 
Get Out. Uh-huh. But not bad. All around. Just uh, working on this. Oh. Until Friday, I hadn't seen a lot of you. And then you saw all of me. I got to see you all day. Yes. We yeah. went to our archery thing. Went to the nobody Eastern, wants to hear about that. <laughs> Eastern traditional archery rendezvous, which was awesome. We had a great time. Great weather. Shot really well. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I had my 20-year class reunion. Oh, yeah. Got fucking hammered. Like, just For the like first in, time in like three years? Just, oh, yeah. Just like in high school. Got drunk and too early before I got to really say hi to everyone by the end of the night and <laughs> just ghosted on Yeah, you did it in the most lame-ass way, though. I remember you texted me the next morning. I said, what'd you have? What was it? Guinness? Excuse me. Ultra and peach schnapps? No, no. I started with Guinness, and then I went to Stella, and then I went to Ultra, and I was getting forced to take a shot. Okay. Because it, it, it sounded like like, if, oh, yes. like a 12-year-old raided their parents' uh-huh. bar. Like, just like, well, they won't miss one of each. Uh-huh. Exactly. Well, I, believe me, I had more than one of each. Well, except the schnapps. So, yeah, I was getting forced to take a shot, and I hate liquor. I don't shoot liquor. It's gross. And they're like, oh, you're going to pick the shot. And I was like, eh, just give me peach schnapps. They're like, What? <laughs> I was like, really? I'm like, yep, I want peach schnapps. It's fucking gross. It's like syrup. I'm and a gin man. Yep. You That's are. Just because I like the English. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a gin man. I thought you liked that cheap bathtub shit. You, huh? you no, make. I I mean, I, I drink it. But. Okay. Oh, wait, I, uh, so, yeah, it's been, it has been busy. It's been a busy month. That's well, It's been busy summer. Like you said, the world's getting back to normal and all that bullshit. I have nothing else interesting to say about my month. You said you wanted to promote something? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Have so at it. I know that usually you're the one that does, like, you know, anything decent or charitable. <laughs> I'm oh. usually just here to listen to myself talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually have, uh, and actually some people probably already heard of anybody who listens to uh, Cheer Up, Babe, because um, VJ already promoted this, uh, a friend of ours. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, uh, Mandy went to college with, and they haven't seen each other in like 16 or 17 years, and mm-hmm. Mandy got together with her, um, oh, was it a couple weeks Two ago? weeks ago, maybe? Um, and she's hiking the Appalachian Trail, uh, Michelle. So I have the website up and everything. What she's doing, she's doing a through hike, which mm-hmm. is fucking insane, because I thought about it when we went shooting the other day, and we're hiking up those hills, like mm-hmm. up the ski slopes. I was spent. Yep. Like it took two oh, yeah. hot dogs and a hamburger just to do that. <laughs> but she's uh, she's uh, through hiking the Appalachian Trail. She's just got into New York, and obviously she's going to finish at uh, Mount Katahdin. But she's doing it for uh, this organization, Hike for Mental Health, mm-hmm. which is just seems to be a fucking all- like you know. There's like some charities now. Like you have to look. Oh, you, you got to research. Out, and I have stuff sure. to talk about later on with that. But they seem to be really good. So what they do is they take donations, um, and then like it's it's to pub, it's uh, to give like an opportunity to people who have like mental health issues mm-hmm. that taking time off, hiking, doing the Appalachian Trail, accomplishing something, could you know have a, a good benefit to yeah. them. So uh, she's trying to raise twenty five thousand dollars by the time she gets to Maine. Oh, that'd be sweet. Which is just fucking awesome. Cool. So anybody, we can put this in show notes or whatever. Her website is hikingwithstar.com. That's two R's. So if you go to support, it'll just say support star. There's a donate now button, and mm-hmm. it goes to her campaign for him. Right on. Which is just fucking. And we're doing road trips. And, like, it's kind of, I mean, it's not, it's a trail. Yeah. But she's traveling further Still than most travel. of us have yep. drove. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. It's fucking 
awesome. That's very good. Yeah. Yes. We, you and I have talked about that before with, uh, you know, mental health. If you, if you break your arm, you can break your brain, too. And yes. you need to sometimes heal it differently. Take a break. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. That's pretty much all I had. No, that's good. That's good shit. All right. So all that behind us. Let's uh, where we're going. We need roads. Road trip topic road trips is that a lame ass back to the future joke i didn't even have it written in there i just thought of it last second and i'm like how the fuck am i gonna word this it's not improv your way through that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i should have went to college for it i went to college (laughs) (laughs) i know for music and theater or whatever not music and theater fucking he's up there tap dancing (laughs) it was english and theater sorry uh all right road trips you know packing up the car and hitting the open road for an adventure uh, the definition would be a journey made by car, bus, etc. <laughs> Thanks Oxford. for clarifying that. <laughs> I don't know. There's some places where you can't take a road trip. Like where? In the middle of fucking nowhere. There's no roads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it still exists then it's in a the hike. world. It would be a hike. Yeah. Um, some of the first world complaints, and you and I had this this week, uh, no cell service in rural areas, so you can't stream your favorite podcast. When oh, we, yeah, we, we had were, to talk to each other for, like, four and a half know. hours. Driving through northern uh, northern PA there. Didn't have a lot of dead zones. That's to get audiobooks. Then you don't have to talk to your That's friends. That's true. Or, or download your podcast. Yes. Uh, let's see. Gr- uh, crappy gas station food. Gross rest stop bathrooms. Uh, siblings stealing your beef jerky and road snacks. Uh, expensive fuel. Nothing on the radio. Dealing with lot lizards in skeezy truck stop, folks. Oh, no, 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 no. You've never dealt with a lot lizard, have you? Skeezy truck stop people? Well, yeah, but lot lizards? I don't know if I have. Okay. Have you? No. You said that kind of uh, questionably. Because I don't know. (laughs) That's the thing. I don't know. Is it only a lot lizard if you pay for it? uh, It's when they just come like around to your trucks like, oh, get a ride to the next fucking. I think a lot lizard is a prostitute. A lot lizard is a prostitute. Okay. Yes. Right. I'm glad we're clear on that. So, all right. So if if you're getting a bad deal from your lot lizard, yeah, that's a part of your bad road trip. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, speed traps. Triple uh, A not coming fast enough when you get a flat, but if you're an adult, you should be able to change your own fucking tire anyway. So, I agree. Yeah. I can even do that. Yeah. Uh, do you have a bad personal story? I don't know. I, this fucking story I wrote today is so goddamn long. I like, I kind of skimped on the notes. If it, I mean, it probably tell or nothing, nothing jumps out at you. Well, I guess when we went to Florida. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that wasn't bad. No, not really stunk. Yeah. Just the fucking van stunk. Dinky ass 20 year olds. Um, Oh yeah. Well, I guess that wasn't really a road trip or that's when I drank all that milk. But that doesn't really count as a road mm-hmm. trip thing. I guess, I mean, I remember we used to go on a ton of road trips when we were kids. Mm-hmm. My Load family up was always vehicle. big on camping. We, drew, we, I mean, we drove all the way to California. I mean, yeah. I guess, I, but I have like kind of vague memories of it. Like, I remember my dad, like, <laughs> when, when I got on the way to California. Did they have he, to fucking sedate you to get you? They kept yelling. <laughs> in the back, like he, I remember him yelling in the back, into the back seat, like, if you need to pee, you're going to do it in a diaper. Because, like. He says, I'm not stopping again because they had to stop a lot for me. Really? I, I to, find that hard to believe. I got to do the big three all the time. <laughs> the, the pee, the poop, and the eats. Uh-huh. So I guess my biggest obstacle mm-hmm. is also the smallest obstacle when we go on a road trip. Your dick. My asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Close. It's the, I have to plan poops. I'm like, 
My, me, like, me going on a road trip and, like, planning poops is, like, a pregnant woman going on a road trip and having to stop, like, every hour to get up and stretch her legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if I could... You gotta get up and stretch that asshole. Like, we take Ginny to <laughs> a doggy daycare mm-hmm. now. What I was thinking, I don't know if the science is there yet, is, like, a daycare for your asshole if you go on a trip. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I could leave it off with somebody else and it was somebody else's problem for, like, four or five days... I feel like I could really relax and enjoy myself. I can't even go to a Barnes and Noble without worrying about having to go poop. Yeah, you you have some serious butthole issues. I can't but agree. That's uh, there, I, it, it. It your asshole runs your life. Yes, it does. Yes, it, it genuinely does. does. I just and it's not like I'm I'm not like a sickly like we went person. two hours away and you shit three times. No, the other but we went. I can't believe I just talked. We were this far in and I'm talking about how bad the early episodes are because of all the. Pooping, and here I am talking about poop again. <laughs> the show's called Tough Shit. I just, I mean, we did our trip the other day. We were going uh, for like nine hours. I didn't have a bowel movement. <laughs> it was, it was an act of God. I don't know how he did. I'm going to stop it right there. All right, I have nothing else to say. Okay, so, so your asshole is what ruins your road trips and everybody else's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one that jumps out to me is uh, when I was like a teenager. My dad bought an RV. He bought it was, it was a nice RV. It was new and everything. But it was a cursed lemon from day one. I remember. Uh, uh, almost everything that went wrong, like it, it, it would, every time we went on a trip, something broke. Uh, I think the first year out, the uh, main water line had a screw from the factory like through it. So only like I think the sink could get water, like none of the bathroom. Or, it was fucked up. Um, let's see. We went down to Florida, and the injectors went <laughs> when we were in Florida. So it had to get like – taken over to a dealership in florida and we stayed with uh luckily we had other people down there we knew we had a camper we could stay in um went out to connecticut once and the turbo blew out of it and we're just dumping black smoke down the expressway ah Uh, yeah and we had to pull over in uh, Fishkill, new york and there was an abandoned mall we just sat in this parking lot for hours waiting for car or van because there was a bunch of us in this camper going out it's like a wedding or something we were going to and this, it's this like uh, this mall that's abandoned. There's nothing there. There's a few. Uh, there was a McDonald's out front. We had lunch and dinner at the McDonald's because we were there so fucking long. But we got to witness an affair. Oh really? Yeah. The, at I, the McDonald's or at, in the mall? At in the mall parking <gasps> lot. So we're sitting there with this fucking camper that's broke down. This RV. And this car comes wheeling in. This is in. getting interesting. Yeah. Okay. And this other car comes wheeling in. And they, like, used the RV to kind of hide their cars. And a guy gets out of the one car. A lady gets out of the other car. And this couple, like, they hug and they kiss. And they get in his car and leave for, like, an hour or two. And then they come back. And then they get out of the car. And then they both go their separate ways. Oh, wow. You yeah. really think it was an affair? I, I, mean, I mean, that sounds like else, it. Like, even if, so even if they were married or something, he was, like, working out of town or she was working out of town, wouldn't they just go meet at their hotel or whatever? What if they, like, what if they had just been dating a little while, they just got to where they were kissing, and the one guy is like, hey, let's go do putt-putt, and she's like, I don't have enough gas to get that far. How about we meet at this abandoned mall? And then you pick me up, take me, we'll go putt-putt golfing, and then you drop me back off again. No, it was middle-aged people having an affair. They can play putt-putt, though. So if you had an affair in Fishkill, New York, in 2000 and, I don't know, four, <laughs> five, somewhere in there. Or it's calling you out. I fucking saw it, pal. But no, so yeah, the RV was a piece of shit. 
and most people I know who own campers or RVs have a problem with them. Something leaks, something breaks, something just doesn't work. So, yeah, RVs. You know what that stands for. Um... Well, I think you're not asking me if I know what it actually stands for. I think that you have something smart to say. Because you asked me about an acronym the other day, and I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. What's it say? Wait. RV. Nope. Nothing. (laughs) Okay. It it does mean recreational vehicle. I know what that means. I know that. It stands for ruined vacation. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. That's where you just get a tow behind. Yeah, the camper. Even though I know people with campers have fucking issues with them. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We've fucking babbled on long enough it's time for stories you informed me that your story is very long it's the longest thing i've ever done i had to just stop it in fact it kind of just ends and then i've just got some stuff i want to kind of cover at the end okay because i get to a point where i'm just like this is too much um so yes do you want me to start it yes you start because i went first last time this is definitely a road trip okay although once i got into it it dawned on me it's definitely more of like if we had done like a work commute, like mm-hmm. show, it would have been far more appropriate for that. Okay, but it has words in it that make it a road trip. All right, so the, you're all right. You're in the vein enough to keep it within the topic. Yes, it's it is a road several trip. people traveling a long distance. It's horrible, mm-hmm. and at one point they're in a van. Hey, <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Come on, I'll take it. Um, and it's like. It's also super fucking sad. So mm-hmm. I had this like gimmick that we'll get to that I was going to use to kind of break it up and just add something a little fun to it. But I did it one time through the story, and I'm like, this I can't do this again. But we'll, when we get to it, we're going to do it anyway because I think it'll be fun. Okay. Also, this is a border story. I'm just coming right out and saying that. This is a U.S.-Mexico border story, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Spanish stuff. So I'm back on Duolingo. Oh, my. I've been hearing it all weekend. It's That's because I'm proud of myself. 27 day streak today that every is, day i'm doing like 15 minutes a day that is impressive and i'm really enjoying it i'll give you i'm that. trying to learn spanish because fuck french who speaks french french people yeah and the canadians people from but, montreal fuck them uh <laughs> so i'm learning spanish uh-huh which really just leaves me like trying not to be like that kind of guy who like thinks he's getting good at it like, uh-huh. i want you to, i want oh no that's french <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to wait, was that Rohan? Was that French or Spanish? Si, senor. <laughs> That's just a French guy doing Spanish. I want you to go to the Mexican restaurant in town and order your meal entirely in Spanish. I hate go I love that. Like I, I like going to different like ethnic restaurants. Mm-hmm. I hate having to pronounce something because I always sound so fucking stupid. So I usually just point. But in reality, if I were to ask them, like, you know, how do you pronounce this? At least mm-hmm. I'm showing an interest instead of just some ding-dong going like, oh, the Casadilla? 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 Casadilla. But either way. I mean, you could utilize that supercomputer that's in your pocket and just Google how to say, how to pronounce. Yeah, but I'm trying word. to do it, like, long form. That's why I'm doing Duolingo. Okay. Hey, hey, I'll, I'll take it. That, okay. That's good for you. So... Uh, this title was more of a placeholder, okay? <clears throat> but it's uh, <laughs> it's called. This is what I wrote down. Now, ready for a good laugh? Mm-hmm. Well, fuck off then, because this is some sad ass shit, and that's the title. Wow, it's fucking sad. Well, it is tough shit. So, okay, you ready? Let's hear it. My intro is actually kind of fun, mm-hmm. but then the rest of it's not. Falls right off. <clears throat> I'll try not to uh, bother you too bad. 
If I get a where I need a break, I brought a beer. It's a Mexican lager. Oh, and you said if your jaw locks up. Yeah. Okay. It won't, though. So, anyway. <clears throat> On January 15th, 1541, Melchior Diaz, conquistador, warrior, and tireless treasure hunter, consigned himself to death. Mm-hmm. Astride his great steed, he and his beast accelerated toward a low fence, hoofs beating the earth, a, gro- a cloud of rising dust marking his path behind him, a long pale line, the lightning to the thunder of his warhorse tattooing the ground with each stride. The fence now abreast, Melchior prodded the animal one last time and they were airborne. On the other side, death. The ground swelled up to meet them both, and Melchior hit hard. The world spun, his horse was gone, and Melchior felt a punching through his stomach. Impact, a slight resistance, then a ripping heat. Suddenly, his face was flush against the dirt. He reached down, fumbling around his stomach. He felt wood and steel, a lance. He'd been impaled, run through. Bleary-eyed, he glanced wildly about himself and saw a pool of his own blood spreading slowly, darkly over the surrounding dirt, sand, and rock. This was it. He'd die here, far from home, far from Spain. He'd die in the dirt, a courageous charge, an honorable death. So you took English and theater, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was very dramatic. Okay, so I actually that's gonna get into at least like that's so that that's the based on a true story Hollywood version. Anyways, this is something that really happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that got anybody's blood pumping or not, uh, but in reality, this guy was a fucking wad. <clears throat> Our hero did jump a horse or a, a fence on horseback. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was impaled by a lance and lay dying for twenty days. The less valiant version, however, is that the fence was actually a low, hastily built barrier acting as a movable sheep pen. A sheep pen with a perfectly functional gate, mere feet away from where our gallant conquistador had made his airborne breach. And his intended target? This villain whose life needed snuffed out with such haste that Melchior and his swinging dick had not a moment to spare with dismounting horses and opening gates? A stray dog. Surely there was a greater threat than this. One mutt to put an end to this veteran of continental campaigns? Melchior had raped and murdered his way across the entirety of Anahuac, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, or New Spain, as modern-day Mexico began to be called after 1521, only to to be ironically put down by a dog? Yes, though not directly. As Melchior fumbled with his lance while sailing over a crowd of frightened sheep, he was launched from his horse and plummeted to the hard desert ground, impaling himself with said lance like a big, stupid Spanish Mr. Magoo. And he did take... (laughs) 20 excruciating days to die, screaming and moaning into the desert as the indifferent dog that proved his undoing likely wandered the nearby brush, stopping occasionally for a short nap or to lick its own asshole. Why do I bring up this accidental suicide by dog? It's less the death of Melchior himself that matters, and more so where he died. The world would no doubt be a better place with less Melchior's, but this one forever stained history by being the first human being that wasn't Aztec or Native American, the first white man, the first European, the first foreigner Mm -hmm. to lose his life in a stretch of desert that would go on to claim the lives of thousands of desperate people. There is a chance that right now there is someone or someones dying in this place as we speak. The name of this bringer of death. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> All right, let's hear it. El Camino de Dalab. Oh, fuck. 
I did so good at home. Okay, uh, ready? Hang on. We try again. How's that Duolingo going? So shut up, Corey. <laughs> I haven't gotten the word Del yet. Okay. So the name of this bringer of death? Del Taco. El Camino del Diablo. The Devil's Highway. Ooh. Have you heard of this? No. So anyway. Um, the Devil's Highway is a certi- is certifiably one of the deadliest places on the planet. A 250-mile stretch of hell that starts in Sonora at the northernmost tip of Mexico and reaches out over the southwestern Arizona, uh, over southwestern Arizona, rather, to drag its dry and cracked fingers all the way into California. The best way that I can describe the, the Devil's Highway is that it sounds like someone's pitching a new biome for the Hunger Games, but they're trying way too fucking hard. <laughs> Start with the land itself. Dry. Nothing but sand, dirt, and rock for miles in every direction. The only vegetation being the occasional low brush or the iconic saguaro, I think, um, the tall, imposing monoliths that most of us like probably conjure up when we think of a cactus. Oh, you know, yeah, like, like the from big, the Roadrunner cartoons? Yeah, like 30 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to those, yeah, okay. That's the last <laughs> laugh you're going to get. Um, okay. To those desperate enough, the saguaro can hold the promise of water inside their spiny torso. That is, if the dying man, woman, or child is willing to carve their hands and faces to bloody ribbons trying to get to it. And it does happen. Um, Framing this scene are countless mountain ranges stretching in every direction. Specifically, the imposing ranges of the Growler Mountains and the Granite Mountains. Sheer walls of death that are nearly impassable unless you know exactly what you're doing. And even then, as we'll soon find out, there's no guarantee. As if, as if the landscape weren't enough, add to this deadly spiders, tarantulas, scorpions, rattlesnakes, and numerous other predators hidden amongst the rocks and brush. And let's not forget the human element. This being a border story, most of the folks out here are migrants, who not only have to gird themselves from arachnids and reptiles, but from other people as well. Backstabbing coyotes, gangsters, drug dealers, human smugglers, the migra, that's the U.S. Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. And even alleged desert serial killers are all in the mix. And not to mention, I didn't write this down, death by train and drowning is super common. I bet. Yes. So anyway, and even if a person desperate enough to find themselves traveling the devil's highway can somehow avoid all of this, there's one thing that no one can avoid. The heat. Of all the killers lurking in the desert, this one, more than any of the others, has the highest body count. Hyperthermia death by overheating, is a horrifying prospect. You're literally being cooked to death, both inside and outside, and you feel everything. During all of which you're delusional, lost, dehydrated, and you're most likely being plagued by hallucinations. And in some cases, you're also caked in your own blood, as you may have found yourself to have become just one of the many that have made the vain attempt to smash their faces against the thorny hide of a saguaro over and over again desperately trying to make their way inside to the life-giving water they know is there, but can't fucking get to. And it happens. I'm telling you. They wouldn't use a rock? They're so fucked up, they can't use their... Like, at that point, uh, you can't think anymore. Okay. So your mouth is on your face. Water's over That's here. That's where it is? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you. I'm ya. trying to lighten up your story anyway. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I could go on, but your mouth is on your face. (laughs) I could go on. Uh, There's always Oregon Pipe uh, National Monument State Park that borders the highway, once named the most dangerous park in America. 
um, or the Barry M. Goldwater bombing range, the north, that migrants will accidentally wander into. It's uh, 1.7 million acres littered with undetonated warheads, mines, and the husks of abandoned tanks, not to mention patrolling U.S. soldiers on live ammunition training exercises. And above it all, the U.S. Air Force are flying live bombing runs. But I think at this point we all get the idea. I believe our friend in the military frequented that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you he was in station. Remind in me who that was, and then tell me the about one it stationed in California. I don't know where that is. I, don't, I mean, I know where California uh, is. Southern California, stationed in Southern California. There's a station there. Oh my God! Go on. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but I think from all that you get the idea. The Devil's Highway is death, a place to be avoided at all costs. But that doesn't stop thousands of people from attempting to defy her every year. So, Luis Alberto Uria, I think I'm pronouncing it right, I don't know. Si, sí, senor. <laughs> well, ha, hey, lo siento, Luis Alberto Uria, if I'm not. That's, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, he's the author of the aptly named book, The Devil's Highway, the main source for today's story. Uh, but he describes the highway as desolation. And as I said, every year, thousands of desperate folks throw themselves into desolation and do their best to survive. This happens year-round, but it's from May to July that desolation claims the vast majority of her victims. These three months are referred to as the death season. This is the time of year that American farmers are in desperate need of cheap migrant laborers to do all the de dirty, tedious, back-breaking work that none of us, including myself... It's too hard. Yeah, want to do. <laughs> we so, can't do it. Yeah. Enter the seasonal migrant worker. Mm -hmm. The allure of the highway for migrants who find themselves there is by no means the beauty of the landscape. This is not a walk to be enjoyed with loved ones, nor is a challenge heartily taken up. This is essentially a work commute from hell. What plants, what plants these poor bastards on the edge of desolation, as opposed to the more forgivable climbs, um, is the relative ease of crossing the border itself. The dirt quote-unquote road, mm -hmm. that's technically a road, um, that is the Devil's Highway, is by no means the only way for migrants to make their way to civilization after crossing the border from Mexico. It's just that the U.S.-Mexico border almost doesn't even exist there. Um, far from, like, westernmost Arizona and southern California, where they're imposing walls, fences, spotlights, uh, migrant patrols every half a mile— Night vision, infrared, helicopters, even boat patrols that reach out into the Pacific. Mm -hmm. The stretch of dirt in Arizona between Welton and Tucson uh, to the north and uh, Sonoita and Nogales to the south, uh, the border can be marked by little more than a low-hanging strip of barbed wire, like a foot up, yep. or just nothing at all, just dirt. One could stand astride the border and glance from north to south and never know the difference, making this the ideal place to cross on notice. Here, crossing is the easy part. It's every step after that that can kill you. And then this is the first. So what I was going to do is I was going to do two intermissions to lighten it up okay. and ask you a, like a Spanish question because I'm getting really good at it after 27 days. Yeah. So Regular this is the first row. Okay. This is a quiz. Okay. So <laughs> to lighten things up, a All quick right. quiz for Corey, but I, I, this is the only one I'm doing. Okay. Corey, I'm going to read you two statements in Spanish, and I'd like you to tell me which one describes you best. Okay? Okay. And I just wrote these from right. memory. From memory. All right. Tu eres una mujer. That's the first one. Tu eres una manzana. That's the second one. Which one describes you better? Uh, 
So the first one, feminine. They both they're both technically feminine. They're both technically. Oh yeah, two. I don't know. Second one. All right, you are an apple. Okay. Yes, that's right. That was the closer one because you're just so sweet. If someone ate too much of you, they'd get awful diarrhea. <laughs> so you got it right. Good job. I'll give you the fruits. <laughs> also, I can't spell. What was diarrhea. the first one? You were a woman. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's why I, I, it sounded feminine. Yeah. It never dawned on me, like, oh, yeah, the un-a is in there. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay, that is the only quiz you're getting. Go ahead. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, before you get to crossing the border itself and all the horrors beyond, let's head south to Veracruz, Mexico, and to make sh- to what makes this a true road trip story. One of the most eye-opening takeaways I've taken from reading uh, Uriah's book is how far people just have to go to get to the border. And how foreign the landscape there is to them. I count myself among the many who probably have an image of their head of what a migrant crossing the border looks like and where they're from. Yeah. Like Big Sombrero. <laughs> yes. I have I have wrote here. He said they're from the desert in some unnamed Mexican village, baking in the sun every day, eating quesadillas under the wide brim of a sombrero. <laughs> but it turns out, shockingly, I'm a fucking asshole. And that's yeah, no not shit. right. Yeah. Yeah, this look like regular poor it's Mexican far, people. Far, far, yeah. far from the case. Uh-huh. Um, today, today, to get an idea of like the shit show that is a border crossing gone wrong, we'll be looking uh, through the lens of one of the most heartbreaking tragedies in recent border history. And I, like, um, this is an appropriate time to do this, I guess. Like, I started reading about this stuff before what happened in Texas with the tractor trailer. With all the migrants, the forty some migrants they found in that tractor trailer. Oh, that cooked. died. Yeah. Oh, Jesus fucking crazy. That's thing. a pretty common thing. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you not hear just about like, vans. You hear about uh, just accidents with them. Like, yeah, they call it landfills uh, wrecking in cars. They call it coffin rides. Uh huh. Where they'll put them in a trunk, or mm-hmm. they actually will because they check trunks. They'll strap tie people to engine blocks. Oh, they'll do anything to move people. It's so fucking. That's it's it's, it's the so biggest commodity up. coming across the border right now. Mm-hmm. That's uh, but anyways, well, yeah, in this case, we're gonna be looking through the lens of like one of the most heartbreaking tragedies in recent border history, um, that of the ill-fated journey of the Welton Twenty Six, or for those of a more pessimistic bent, the Yuma Fourteen. Those being the dead ones, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. The Welton Twenty Six were a group of migrants from Veracruz that, in May of two thousand one, crossed the border and attempted to traverse the Devil's Highway on foot hoping to skirt the outskirts of Ajo, Arizona, and then eventually make it to Interstate 8, where a ride would be waiting for them. They would then disperse throughout the states for a summer of fruit-picking, animal processing, and the like. Instead, of the 26 men that entered, only 12 made it out alive. 14, the Yuma 14, Mm -hmm. as they would come to be called, ended their lives strewn across the desert, skin black and baking in the sun. But before any of that, there was Veracruz. Now, when I say that a lot of mark to a lot of migrants, northern Mexico was essentially a foreign country to them. Mm-hmm. I mean it. The shock of seeing the border to a man from Veracruz was, I have to imagine, on par with our recent trip to Arizona from up here in New York. Yeah. To those who've never seen a desert, it may as well be another planet. It's such an alien landscape that it's hard to even like try and wrap your brain around. And that's how it was for these guys from Veracruz. Veracruz is almost as far south as you can get in Mexico without ending up in Guatemala. Yeah. Veracruz is jungle, rivers, moist, humid air, coastlines, cliffs, like ocean. Mm -hmm. It's by all accounts like a beautiful place, paradise. So why leave? 
Well, because it's extremely hard not to die there. That's why. <clears throat> and by no fault of the landscape, but that of the economy. Mm. I'll try little, to... little violence, little corruption. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, pretty nasty. I'll just cover this quickly, just so we all have like some context of why these guys had to like try so hard to make it north. A lack of work in the area led a lot of people here in Veracruz to try their best to fend for themselves, which for the most part meant a, an attempt at growing crops or fishing. Mm-hmm. Around the turn of the century, entire crops, because this is around 2001, yep. um, around the turn of the century, entire crops or seasons of crops were being lost. Add to this commercial fishing in the Gulf, saw small-time fishermen coming up short, and options for an income started di- drying up fast. The one industry in Veracruz that was booming at the time was the bean industry. But this didn't really equate to much for the locals. If you found yourself lucky enough to find work with Big Bean, you didn't. He's <laughs> <laughs> just another another suit from Big Bean, grease and palms. <laughs> you like that? I came up with that. That's good. I like that. Big Bean. Uh, <laughs> um, Chris is but, over there rubbing his Big Bean. Hey, say something into the microphone for a minute so I can drink my tea. Okay. Oh, dude, what, was your dog down there? Oh. Uh, Luke, oh Beaner, oh no, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ginny Bean. Yeah, I keep, I keep, especially this month after reading this book, I'm like, I have to stop calling Ginny Bean Beaner. It's just so you just went back to Wetback, right? No, but he, he's got a great fucking uh, thing in this. Maybe all I'll the, share it at the end. All the negative derogatory oh terms God. toward Mexicans. Anyway, where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, so if you're lucky Big enough bean. to find yourself work with Big Bean, um, you didn't get paid jack shit. But with all these beans around, you'd think there'd be at like at least enough food to go around. Yup. Um, it was much more profitable for beans to be sold to America at a higher price than for Veracruz to feed her own people. Mm. And the Mexican government was zero help, uh, laughably corrupt, and in tremendous debt. The governing body in Mexico couldn't have cared less about the people of Veracruz. In 2001, 80 cents of every dollar made in Mexico went to paying off foreign debt. The only people making any money in Mexico were the narcos. Uh, and they definitely didn't have that, like, spend local attitude. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the only choice left for these people was to fend for themselves, and that meant making their own workforce. Procreation was a means of survival. Ironically, more mouths to feed, but at the same time, more hands to help out. And it took a lot of bump and uglies as a staggering amount of babies died, either during childbirth or shortly afterward. So in a nutshell, shit in Veracruz is very, very bad. Um, so from here... Enter Don Moy. Don being a prestigious title. Think uncle, uh, but in like a cool, swaggering, almost godfather kind of way. I don't know why I did that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Horse heads and beds and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So he was from the north, El Norte. Mm-hmm. He was charismatic, seemingly kind, never far from a warm smile or an easy laugh, and he was magnetic. People were drawn to him. He was also a human smuggler. Don Moy was a fixer and mover for the coyotes of Sonora. And even though a lot of the folks around Veracruz saw Don Moy only in a romantic light, the reality was that this guy was a real piece of shit. He and the organization he worked for made a profit on moving human beings from one place to another and getting paid even if the customers died in the transaction. Mm -hmm. In 2001, the Don was involved in shady dealings all across Mexico and the southern United States, including one operation where he was essentially running a slave camp in Louisiana. But to the Welton 26... He was a ticket out of Veracruz. The organization that Don Moy was a part of was essentially operated like this. The head of the snake, and this is, these guys are like mid-level, mm-hmm. but kind of the same setup. The head of the snake was Luis Cercas, uh, operating out of Phoenix. 
than his brother, David Circus, who operated out of Hidalgo. In Florida, Don Francisco Vesquez. Below him, the coyote, Evodio Manila, or El Negro. And his driver, the horrifyingly named El Moreno, the dark man. And below these two warm and fuzzies, our boy Don Moy, the mm -hmm. recruiter. After Moy was Teresa, who was a spotter working the U.S. highways, calling in rides for, mig for migrants as she saw them approach. And, of course, there's countless other cogs in the machine. Drivers, gangbangers, informants, hitmen, and finally the guias, or guides. These guys are the actual boots on the ground, essentially small-time coyotes mm -hmm. that were out there in the desert with the migrants, trying to guide them on their journey. That is if they don't abandon them to die and steal all their money. Oh, great. Yeah, which happened pretty often. Uh, the Gias are also mostly dispensable. Like, out of the whole crew, didn't matter if they lost them. They're pretty much, they're as likely to die as any of their charges. Usually smugglers seek out young boys in their teens or early 20s looking for fast cash. This is the kind of money that they never even dreamed existed. But unfortunately, a lot of them never live long enough to spend much of it. Mm, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be Probably true. It is. But it was Don Moy who was the negotiator that hammered out the price that these 26 men would pay for the privilege to walk the Devil's Highway. Though keep in mind that walking is not the only option. It's usually just the cheapest. The Devil's Highway heads north from Mexico at a point amongst more than 2,000 miles of border with practically no barrier whatsoever. For the most part, smugglers usually offer some sort of ride through the desert, be it in a trunk, mm -hmm. um, van, or is now infamous, tractor-trailer. Yep. Um, excuse me. None of the Welton 26 could afford this. And in a way, that was by design. When a smuggler throws out a price for border crossing by vehicle and the customer cannot afford it, the negotiator can then appeal to the migrant's pride. Can't afford a ride in a truck? Well, if you're a man, I mean like a real man, you can always go on foot. Yep. There are ways to the desert for those, you know, if you can endure it. Oh, and it's like half as much, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm a man. I'll fucking do it, right? And I don't was... think you would make that. No, time. I wouldn't. Uh, fucking no, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where's the bathrooms? I bet when we were in Sedona, or, yeah, when we were in Sedona, mm -hmm. I barely made it through a meal at this Mexican place without, like, we're going to scope the bathroom out. I fucking, like, if I'm in a Mexican place, mm -hmm. you know, like an agent that, like, watching all the exit, if he's got, I just have to know where the bathroom is. Yep. So, no, I wouldn't have made it. No. But anyway. That was essentially the pitch that landed the Welton 26 in a packed, sweltering bus crammed against one another for a bumpy, miserable 1,700-mile road trip um, from Veracruz to Sonoita. Mostly through the desert. No, Well, I mean, once you got like up, I think it would be like up north of like Mexico City. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the jungle for a while. Oh, yeah, it's just yeah. Shitty driving, yeah. Horrible. I mean, fucking horrible. And like, it was a horrible trip. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. We'd be here for like two more fucking hours. Yeah. Just let me assure you that 26 unwashed sweating men in a practically 2,000-mile bus ride with no AC, no AC and no toilet, yeah. it doesn't make it a party bus. That's some serious uh, pants soup material there. It's bad. Ugh. So, I mean, read Aria's book. Uh, you'll get it all there. But for now, let's focus on the Devil's Highway itself. Ironically, the shortest part of the trip, but far and away the most deadly. After an awful road trip through the entirety of Mexico uh, that <clears throat> we will not be covering on this episode about road trips, the boys finally, <laughs> finally arrive in Sonoita. Uh. Now, when I'm talking about smugglers, coyotes, border crossings, etc., know that this is not just an effort to get desperate people into the U.S. and try to make a living for their families. 
This is an industry. There's a business model to crossing the border. And Sonoita is a border crossing town. Residents hawk maps, food, water, and shelter to migrants preparing for the crossing. Big, big uh, business, exactly. yeah. Exactly. The whole economy is driven by the business of border crossing. Despite the stretch of I'm sorry. Despite the stretch of border being essentially wide open, it is closely guarded. Not so much by border patrol, but by Mexican gangsters. Mm-hmm. These pieces of shit make a fortune off of people who are just doing whatever they can to survive. Technically, anyone can just wander off into the desert. But without a guide, they probably won't make it very far. Yep. This land is unforgiving. And so the people – okay. The, this land is unforgiving, and so are the people who profit from it. You are expected to pay to cross. If you do not, you're just as likely to die from a bullet in the back of the head as you are from the heat. Yikes. It was in Sonoita that the Welton 26 stayed the night in a small apartment after buying provisions for the crossing the next day. They sweated through a sleepless night, sprawled across the floor, shoulder to shoulder with other desperate men. The next morning, Saturday, May 19th, saw the migrants stirring to consciousness as their guia, guide, whatever, um, arrived for the trip with instructions. Um, uh, Jesus Lopez Ramos was 19 years old. He was also a fucking asshole. <laughs> His polos, uh, that's how coyotes refer to their charges, apparently. Chickens? Yep. Yeah. I don't know if it just dehumanizes them if they lose them, but they refer to them as chickens. Oh, great. Yes. So his polos, polos uh, called him Rooster Boy. Due to his ridiculous flop of dyed hair hanging over his eyes, mm. he liked to swing his head back over and over again and toss his locks back from his eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Like oh, a yeah, hipster yeah. wave. Yeah. Out loud, uh, Jesus was known to those there by his code name, Mendez. They never gave their real names. Mm-hmm. Mendez told his polos to get moving, gather their things, and meet him at the bus station. When asked what they should bring, he told them to bring water, maybe a bottle or two. Mm-hmm. At the station, a driver was discreetly paid off with cash, and the Welton 26 were on their way. At 1.40 p.m., the bus crossed the border at Quito... Uh, God damn it. Quito Baquito? We'll say that. Quito uh, <laughs> Baquito? Uh, they made it to America. All right. They drove, Just like that. Easy. easy well, people. technically, they were in America. Yeah. Um, they drove north for, north for another hour and 20 minutes. Then the bus suddenly stopped and let them all off. It's 3 o'clock the height of the afternoon, and it was 96 degrees. They followed Mendez into the desert along with his other two guides. The Welton 26 were dressed in pants, uh, green pants, blue pants, black pants, black jeans, yeah, long sleeve shirts, hot, hats, weather, hot weather material, hats, cowboy boots, mm-hmm. no sunscreen, no protection, and they hiked all afternoon after being told they'd only move at night and they'd be to the interstate in a day and a half. Mm-hmm. That night... Shortly before midnight, their first fatal mistake was made. The group approached Bluebird Pass, a major landmark and part, vital part of the journey. The pass would have seen them safely through the Growler Mountains and pointed them toward Ajo. But something happened. We'll never know exactly, but on the approach, the group saw lights ahead, and they hunkered down as fast as they could. Mendez was convinced it was a border patrol, though no records point to anyone being in that area that particular night. But either way, it spooked Mendez, and in turn, the whole group. They took off running in the opposite direction and in the dark lost their way. It was a death sentence for 14 men. The next morning, instead of resting and waiting till night to continue on, Mendez insisted they find another way over the growlers. 
They made their way north along the western slope of the imposing mountain range, trying again and again to cross the stone faces and each time turning back. All while temperatures soared toward 100 degrees. It was about this time that some of the group began to run out of water. Or a few of the men, Pepsi. As believe it or not, some men just brought Pepsi instead of water. It was a drink of champs. Isn't that what they used it to... Well, didn't they make that for college football, right? That's Pepsi? Gatorade. Oh. That's just as bad for Well, it's probably not just as bad for you. It's still pretty bad for I think for the him. sugar content's pretty steep. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't drink a lot of Gatorade. Yeah. Unless you're a fucking athlete. But anyway, <laughs> these guys off. didn't have Gatorade. Fucking Pepsi. All right. Because they didn't know any better. Nobody told them anything. You Remember the right one, baby. <laughs> Is that a Pepsi thing? I think that's Diet Pepsi. Remember uh, Ray Charles doing that? I think it was Ray Charles. I don't remember that. Uh, I just remember Pepsi Clear. Just see that commercial. It was so, hmm? you know, just it's immigrants a, like dying. Oh, it's the, the right one, you baby. You got the right one, baby. That's like, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just a blackened corpse. Oh, my God. That's so fucked. It is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. They just, gallows humor, I believe, is the term. But they didn't know any better. Like, nobody told them anything. Remember, like, they'd never even seen a desert before. Uh, a couple of this with their guides flat out lying to them. It's no wonder that they were all so woefully underprepared. It's so fucking sad. It's just horrible. It's just awful. But anyway, around 2 o'clock that afternoon, the group finally gave up on the growlers and rested, quote, rested, till nightfall. As much as you can rest under a killer sun in the middle of the desert with no cover whatsoever. By the time they set off again that night, it was clear to everyone involved that Mendez had zero idea where he was where they were going, or how to, f- how to find out. Also at this point, delirium had begun to That's how you get yourself a bad review on TripAdvisor. I don't think they're reviewing these fucking coyotes on TripAdvisor. Uh, you should start. Ha- well, half the time, <laughs> like, if they get, a, sometimes they don't get paid until they bring them there. Yeah. Like, everything's done. If they get paid half first and then half after, it's not uncommon for them just get that half, go out in the desert, high tail it back, let them die. Let them die. And they get half the money but it's half fucked up. Yeah, for a quarter of the work. Because you know it's come back. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so at this point, delirium had begun to set in. The first hints of uh, hallucinations. Even with their loss of any confidence in Mendez, the group had no choice but to follow. By the night of, by the night of Sunday, May 20th, the group had somehow made it to the Granite Mountains, the range that paralleled the Growlers and created the valley between them. An impressive feat, no doubt, but not at any point should they have been anywhere near this range. Mm-hmm. They should have been continuing north, trying to correct their course towards Dateland. But a silent killer was in their midst. Mendez's left leg. Unknown to anyone, including Mendez himself, his left leg was just slightly shorter than his right. Not enough to matter much on a sidewalk, but more than enough to unwittingly start to bear west and southwest and then just plain south in a desert at night yes mendez was beginning to leave his polos in a giant miles long circle fuck the next morning mendez and another guia loro collected 90 dollars from the migrants with the promise of continuing on to find help and bring them back water now here's where things get a little contentious uh there's no way to ever know whether these guys actually intended to go for help or just save their own asses yeah but if we use the factual historical examples of quote-unquote coyote honor mm-hmm. it's pretty safe to say they had just robbed these dying men and were fully expecting to to just die in the desert yeah mendez and laurel continued north but they didn't get far two days later laurel was dead and mendez was a barely alive husk face down in the sand 
On the 21st of May, the migrants left by Mendez and Loro decided that no one would be coming back for them, and they decided to continue on by themselves. By the next afternoon, May 22nd, members of the group started becoming ill from the heat, and they began to die. The high temperature that day was 108 degrees. Over the course of the next day, hyperthermia took over. The migrants' bodies started shutting down. They were being literally cooked inside and out. Their organs began to fail, then their brains began to fail, and eventually their limbs gave out. They died where they fell. Even those that were still alive saw their skin begin to turn black. Their lips swelled, their throats closed, and they began to see things in the desert. Angels, demons, they couldn't quite tell. The group splintered from here, and on the morning of the 23rd of May, four men uh, made it to what they didn't know was called Vidrios Drag, uh, Salvation. Mm -hmm. They had found the Border Patrol. You know what drag is? Uh, I, there's multiple terms for a drag. So it's like they take five tires and kind of arrange them with chains. It looks like the Olympic rings. Oh, literally dragging. They drag them in lines across the desert. It's just far enough that somebody can't quite jump it. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go so much further, do another one, and these guys can then look for prints. It's wild. Like, huh? They'll and they know what time, depending on what types of insects cross the had like the footprints uh and what time those insects come out and how long ago and then they'll know oh they only got this far wow it's really wild i can get much into the border patrol stuff but it's it's pretty interesting but anyway they found this drag they found the border patrol border patrol agent mike f saw the man the men stumbling towards him and called it in um here actually real quick I'm going to read the first paragraph from The Devil's Highway uh, real quick, just because it does a far better job at describing what Mike saw than any attempt I might make. Okay. So bear with me. There we go. This was just wild. Okay, so this is what he saw. Quote, Five men stumbled out of the mountains, the mountain pass, so sunstruck they didn't know their own names, couldn't remember where they'd come from, and had forgotten how long they'd been lost. One of them wandered back up a peak. One of them was barefoot. They were burned nearly black, their lips huge and cracking. What paltry drool still available to them, spurning from their mouths in a salty foam as they walked. Their eyes were cloudy with dust, almost too dry to blink up a tear. Their hair was hard and stiffened by old sweat, standing in crowns from their scalps. Old sweat because their bodies were no longer sweating. They were drunk from having their brains baked in the pan. They were seeing gods and devils, and they were dizzy from drinking their own urine. The poisons clogging their systems. Ah, God. Ugh. That's terrible. I know. Ugh. But anyway, so that's what he fucking sees. This guy finds him. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the next several days, Border Patrol, Bortac, and emergency services found body after body. Some of them naked. All of them burned black in the sun. But they found survivors, too. Twelve of them, including Mendez. Excuse me. A media firestorm followed, naturally. And for a moment, the welfare of these desert walkers was front and center. But it passed. The short version is this. Um, All the migrants turned on Mendez. I'm sure. Yes, like immediately. He didn't think they were going to. Yeah. But um, And that piece of shit went to prison in Arizona. Rightfully so. The rest of the survivors were taken to the hospital where they could be arrested. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. So... 
This is interesting. <laughs> Going to the hospital to get <laughs> I, to life. I told you, I fucking, uh, I was like rushing to get this uh, done. Like, so what? <laughs> the rest of the survivors were taken to the hospital before they could be arrested. Yeah. Which is sometimes done on purpose. Uh, meaning the hospital fronted the bill and they were essentially left alone to stay in the U.S. and work if they so chose when they were released. Ah. Mendez never turned on any of employers, any of his employers, less from loyalty and more from knowing that they could still get to him while They'll he was in prison him, yeah. or get to his mother and mm-hmm. kill her, which is like super fucking common. Um, now, I don't I don't really know how to end all this as I've like barely covered what I wanted to. Yes. None of this is really over anyway, as we've all seen with like what just happened like said, in Texas. Yeah. And this shit happens every day. It's happening right now. Yep. So I guess if you've got an opinion on border policy. Mm hmm. Maybe before you go spouting off about it, just take a minute and remember, like, there are real people dying. Like I said, if they hit a wall as soon as they hit the border, they wouldn't have to worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) If there was a giant wall. Some of this stuff, like, I've been, like... I will, I'll get into it a little bit. Yeah. Like I'm going to end this, but I have some talking points. We can do mm-hmm. it at the end of the yeah, show yeah, if yeah. you want. But like, just I, I don't know. I guess I just want to get across. Like, maybe keep in mind that real people, like, don't forget Are that trying to make a better life yes. for themselves. Yeah, and like, don't make it if, if some, when something happens and you hear about it, something tragic happens on the board and you hear about it. Like, try maybe not turning it into something political. We're just like, yeah, trying to prove whatever, uh, reinforce whatever opinion you already have. Mm-hmm. Maybe just try and think about that human element that these are real people and poor, yeah. that it just looks through all the bullshit. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Because it's just, oh, it's just so fucking irritating. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. So, anyway, that was. <laughs> That's pretty much the story. Mm-hmm. I love so much stuff out. This guy spent so much time with Border Patrol. And I was actually surprised because, I mean, he's an author. He's a journalist. Yeah. Um, and when he's talking, like, how much time he spent with the Border Patrol guys, and he could tell, like, they were pretty guarded at first because you see some fucking journalists coming. It's like, oh, they're going to fucking crucify us. Oh, yeah. But he said, like, you know, yeah, there's some shitty guys. There's some really good people too, like a lot of cops, huh? Yeah, Weird. it's not like there's. <laughs> it's just it's obviously it's not black and white. No shit. But it was just such a fucking sad story. Yeah, so that yeah, twelve uh, of them made it, fourteen died, ugh. and that was like that was like the biggest body count in years mm-hmm. and years. Even though like thousands of people have fucking died, but it's usually one or two at a time. Yep. Or they just never find them. Yeah, that's fucking wacky. So you're saying if there was like a something in place where they could come in a little easier and not have to deal with criminal gangs and potentially walk across an open desert for days on end? Yeah. Weird. We spend a whole bunch of fucking money on it. That's like um one thing I was really impressed with uh There'd be was... more workers and less dead people. Yeah. And it's just weird. Like I I even brought up like uh um the hell was it? That one that we use, oh, the Pew Research. They had an awesome poll and article on like interviewing people throughout the U.S. from mm-hmm. both sides of the aisle. Yeah, that like overwhelmingly come out and say like migrant workers are not doing anything that any of us want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's a huge boon, like all around a huge boon for our economy. But it's just yeah, I don't know. It's just so fucked up. One thing I was really impressed by 
it was uh, after this. Mm-hmm. Like some, it did change a little bit, especially yeah. in like um, Yuma sector. Deaths went way down. They started putting up these, I don't know, they're like 60 foot tall aluminum towers with solar panels and a button on it. It's in Spanish, it's in English, it's in everything. Mm-hmm. It just says like, if you go any further, you are going to die. Hit this button. Border Patrol will be here in less than an hour. And usually the response is 25 minutes. And it's reduced deaths by hundreds. And they come get them and get them medical yeah. attention. But they got a bunch of blowback from it because it was that whole like, spending all my fucking, like it's a bunch of running, like you're spending all my fucking tax dollars on helping all these fucking immigrants and all this and that. <laughs> it was all out of pocket. From Border Patrol agents. It was completely a side thing. They paid from their own salary. Really? And there's tons of them. They, and they lead, you know, in mm. toward I-8, toward Interstate 8. Yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. Wow. So some, I mean, I guess like some good came from it. But, oh, my yeah, God. That's a, that's a terrible situation, that whole, uh, that whole scenario, you know. Because a, a lot of them, like, like anything, I think most people – genuinely just want to have a better life for themselves and their family and they want to do the right thing and and a lot of these people aren't like they don't go they stay in the country because they're literally not allowed to go get back in they can't get back Mm -hmm. because a lot of them are seasonal workers that you know they work for three months or whatever yeah try and get back and then they spend the money in mexico yeah but they're spending money over here too yeah it's just so fucked (laughs) it is it's well that that goes on well, it's it's a big thing at the border. The 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 people who go travel there, who who cross at the border. But even in Western New York, where we're at, like a lot of the fruit farms up north, they are migrant, immigrant, yeah, immigrant workers. Picking I mean, fruit. we I work in our industry. We yeah, work yeah, for a lot you, of farms. Mm-hmm. It is mostly what I think. Like, well, I'm assuming they're Mexican, or South mm-hmm. American, or you yeah. know, just Latino. That's most of the people around here working. Yeah. yeah. We, I work in construction industry, and I see subcontractors like there's one guy who speaks English, and the rest are just speaking Spanish. Hardworking, and great most guys, of the time, and they're perfectly fine. They're paying into like paying into unemployment, social security, mm-hmm. all that, but they're not taking any of it out. So it's just extra money going in. Yeah, but I don't know. It just drives me nuts. That's a fucked up situation, no doubt. But yeah, yeah, that's a terrible story. I mean, thank you. <laughs> well done, but terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I got uh, other stuff, but burn, we can get burns into you it. out after doing oh, something like I was that. Just, huh? it's yeah, it's just been sadness for a month. Like, oh my god, I get so upset at people. That, there's mm-hmm. a whole section they talk about uh, these militias down south. Oh yeah, guard the borders. Or yeah, whatever. they'll yeah. put out big water tanks. Yeah, you know, like volunteers will. Mm-hmm. These guys will go drain them, like shoot them or just open valves and drain them out. But there's actually a ton. Just real quick, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of good organizations, people that – so the site, it's uh, no, mas muert, no Mas Muertes, No oh, More Deaths, uh, this foundation. And what it is is it's not just one charity but a, a list of a ton of organizations down south that it's not – all they do for the most part is just like gather up water and just put water caches out yeah. and try and look for people who need help. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So it's worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah, it's – uh. It's a pretty wacky situation. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they're, they'll they'll always find like one bad person in a group. Oh, or, and then that represents. Everybody. Oh, yeah, that's the whole yep. thing, you know. So, but yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, that's it. 
I'll yeah. turn it over to you. I could okay. go on and on for I, quite I'm a while sure. longer. Well, you you pretty much talk for over a half hour straight. Whoo! And know. I didn't even have to have my beer. We're over an hour on the show. Sweet. Yeah. Hey, you're getting longer episodes of tough shit, and that's oh. all there is to it. Because you haven't got shit all month, so here you go. Uh, like I said before, when I told you talking, my story's a lot more PG rated. Uh, Good. Because the past two stories had been very... You know, deadly, bloody, similar type things, negative, a lot of fucked up shit. This one is still genuine hardship, and it is definitely a road trip, 100%. This is through and through to the title. No, you're always on point. I try to. I mean, so one of us has to. I'm making an effort. (laughs) It was good. I'll give you that one. That was great. All right. So here's my story. Fucking hey, this is wild. This you is got a title? Story. <laughs> okay. I never have a title. Story. All right. Grab yourself a handful of Slim Jims, a pack of Fruit Strike gum, and your Game Boy Advance, then pile into your parents' minivan because it's time for a road trip. Where are you going? Who cares? Because you're going somewhere different, and that's all that matters. But within two hours, your snacks are eaten up, the batteries on your Game Boy died, and you're officially bored as shit. Then you ask the fateful question that your parents fear. Are we there yet? They sharply tell you no, and that there's four hours left until you do get there. So good luck keeping your sanity for the rest of this trip. But if you think a little road trip boredom is the worst of your worries, think again. Because after you hear today's tale, you will be grateful that some mindless window time was the worst of your worries on your family road trip. Today's story takes us to the good old U.S. of A. back in 1919, where the motor age was starting to take the country by storm, with the availability of affordable cars like the Ford Model T becoming commonplace among middle-class people, the country was starting to usher in a new era of automobile adventure. It was an exciting time to be hitting the open road, and that is mainly due to the fact that roads barely existed. At this point in history, proper roads across the U.S. were sparse at best. Various automobile clubs and good roads movements have been starting to pop up to bring much-needed attention and funds to building roads across the U.S., uh, with a lot of that support coming directly from the auto industry. Uh, But now most cities and metropolitan areas had already been paved with mostly bricks in the area for all their carts and buggies wasn't and all that. big on wasn't wasn't like cyclists was weren't they big on a lot of early road stuff like cyclists and early automobiles were like cousins they were I just remember, they wanted the same thing okay yeah. what you were telling me or i read it somewhere about like yeah how big like cyclist groups yeah. cyclist enthusiasts were uh-huh. for roads yeah they, they were in the same vein they okay. all wanted good roads because uh, a lot of cities and metropolitan areas had them because bikes were small and people were getting them and same with the cars, now that they were becoming affordable. Uh, but bricks, they were mostly paved with bricks. Um, so anyway, mostly paved with bricks, but going a few miles outside of town, forget about it. Uh, most streets were nothing more than muddy wagon paths or old Pony Express routes. So for a person to take one of these newfangled autos out into the wild was a true adventure in itself. Uh, But motoring adventures were all the rage, and not to mention just the practical application of moving people and goods around beyond a train depot uh, was becoming a very important part of a growing country. Uh, To give a quick example of what one might want to pack on an automobile road trip, 
The Washington Evening Star did a quick write-up in their paper around this time on what a person should take while traveling from D.C. to Atlantic City. Uh, it is as follows. A set of ignition brushes, boxed and labeled. A tow rope. A jack and handle with two blocks of wood to rest the jack on. A box of plungers for tube valves. A three-in-one valve tube. Tool. A tire pressure gauge. A wrench for interrupter points file for cleaning the points, a voltmeter for testing the battery, an oil squirt can, filled, a box of assorted nuts, cap screws, lock washers, and cotter pins, a spool of copper wire and another of soft iron wire, extra set of electric light bulbs, clean rags, a set of fuses, a folding canvas pail, a full set of tire chains and chain tool with extra cross links, and a fire extinguisher. All that for just a normal 200-mile day trip in modern times. That's ah, what they suggested. But today's tale isn't about a single trip from the nation's capital to the jewel of New Jersey. No, sir. Today's trip is one for the ages. Today you're going to learn about the 1919 transcontinental motor convoy that was spearheaded by the U.S. Army in an attempt to see how quickly and proficiently they could cross the U.S. in wartime conditions. Although by the time the con- what so wait it's it's military vehicles yeah okay it's a All military right. convoy first one first motor convoy so like how fucking far were roads now this was across the whole continent this place called Trans- transcontinental yep the whole U S okay okay <laughs> <laughs> I guess then <laughs> you don't listen to anything I just said. All right. Although by the time the convoy had got underway in July of that year, World War I had been over for about eight months. So the wartime part was kind of pointless, but the trip was to happen anyway so that the military could test their equipment, study various terrain, uh, bump up U.S. morale after World War I, and hopefully recruit any young men from uh, some of the stops they planned along the way. So on July 7th, 1919, Some 81 vehicles consisting of cars, trucks, cargo haulers, motorcycles, a pontoon vehicle. Oh, not a pontoon boat. No, like the vehicle that you would float and drive on. Like Uh, an amphibious vehicle. Essentially, yeah, an early one. Um, A duck tour. Yeah, a duck boat. Okay, like a duck boat. Pedal duck boat. Okay, got those. No, they didn't fucking have those. Uh, Wreckers, flatbeds, box vans. Uh, and dozers were loaded up with over 258 soldiers, 24 officers, and a handful of other various personnel, all willing to hit the open road and see the country traveling in a grand motor convoy, all while having little to no experience driving automobiles. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, so that makes it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're in the Army, like, I guess a lot of these guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I have experience driving a car. Fucking zero experience. Like, no shit. Mm-hmm. I just, that's hard to think about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, traffic's bad enough as it is, but just like to think of a time where there was where that's just a new thing. Not because you're 16 years old, or 15 mm-hmm. years old, and you're starting to learn a car, but just like this nobody's a seen technology. a fucking car before. Yeah. It's like an alien. Yeah. Cup. This is like some of the drivable drones. This is self-driving cars. This is the shit that we're now getting exposed to, <clears throat> which will be commonplace in 50 years. This years. is fucking fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. The convoy departed D.C. on July 7th and headed north towards Pennsylvania so they could link up with the only known road that spanned the U.S. at the time, which was the Lincoln Highway. The highway was a mishmash of public and private roads that went from New York City to San Francisco, 
and had an entire association of people who oversaw its development over the years. Uh, it didn't take long on the first day before one of the cars in the convoy broke down and had to be towed to the first stop of Frederick, Frederick Maryland. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the amount of shit just one average motorist should take with them for a simple trip was staggering. Just imagine what a massive convoy of this size needed. Uh, knowing that vehicles at the time were going to break down, the Army came prepared. They brought two massive fuel tankers, one water tanker, two fully equipped mobile machine shops, a rolling blacksmith shop, two cargo trucks packed with spare parts, and two staffed kitchen trailers to fuel the men. A ton of shit. This is just insane. This is like those uh, convoys that follow the Tour de France guys on their bicycles and cook for them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. All right. So the first breakdown really wasn't much of a setback, just more of an expected nuisance that would plague every single vehicle for the entire trip. The first few days went relatively smooth as they traveled north, then west through Pennsylvania. And if by smooth, I mean they had to stop and tear down a tear apart a covered bridge so the trucks would fit <laughs> and deal with minor breakdowns across the fleet. But it was fairly manageable. It wasn't until they hit the Allegheny Mountains in western PA where the convoy got hit with its first dose of trouble. While traveling from Bedford to Greensburg, a rainstorm made the already steep mountain range a slip and slide of doom. Several cars slid off the muddy roads, got beached in ditches, and one went crashing down a gully, resulting in it being completely unretrievable. Another truck got struck by lightning, forcing the driver <laughs> to jump from it, <laughs> jump from the moving vehicle. It took the convoy 16.5 hours to travel 63 miles. Today, that trip would take you an hour and 20 minutes. Jesus Christ. Yep. So... As the convoy traveled through Pennsylvania and into Ohio at a blistering average speed of six miles per hour. They just fucking walk. Well, it, this is the average speed because there was incredibly slow mo moving trucks, but there okay. also was motorcycles and fly cars and stuff going ahead of them to like make sure they could make it. Okay. So the average was six miles an hour. Do you have All photos right. of this? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, All fuck right, yeah. Look at it. All right. Uh, showed the cracks in their transport. Uh, the, the cracks in their transport plan had started to show. With breakdowns happening throughout the fleet on an hourly basis and the strategizing of how to get almost 300 people fed every day, parts of the group began to drift apart and get delayed across a 10- to 12-hour window. So the convoy would roll into a town, uh, usually later in the day or in the evening, and leave early the next morning only to have their wrecker trucks pulling broke-down vehicles through that same town later the next day, <laughs> trying to play catch-up um, with the rest of the fleet. Uh, but when they all finally did make it to a town together, it was totally worth it because the R&R &R was like nothing the soldiers had experienced before. The huge military convoy that was rolling across the U.S. was something of a national treasure to behold at the time. Something of this scale was just unheard of and was a sight to see. Towns along the Lincoln Highway would fight with one another to determine who would get to host the servicemen at each stop. Every town would have special events planned for the troops, from dances and parades to huge feasts, uh, hot showers, free to every member. Just, it was a shindig. Um, automobile businesses would shower the troops with free cigarettes, chocolate, and lemonade, and soda, and all sorts of shit to show their support. Mind you... 
prohibition had just started. Oh fuck! That was the whole thing. I was gonna say this mm-hmm. is was were they getting fucked up on cigarettes, chocolate, and lemonade? Somebody was boo- they were, somebody had. Booze. I guarantee someone was boozing on. I mean, that's so disappointing because I thought that you. I honestly, I thought you were gonna get into like this was the first drunk driving ever. No. That's no. a, that's another thing that's just isn't that amazing to think about that at one point in history nobody had ever drunk drove. I too bad it was prohibition. I'm sure they drove. I, well, I, I don't know. There there was an accident in one town. He was fucked. I all I can imagine is just two hundred soldiers in these cars driving drunk, shit faced on no. whiskey, just from what I gather. Every single one of them chain smoked the whole fucking way. I, the did. one stop, just the one stop. 600 packs of cigarettes were given out. I just, that's wild. Yeah. That's the only thing I kept them put together, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I guess if I, that, uh, hmm. so yeah, <laughs> it, it would usually be an all night party in every town along the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me just get it out. <laughs> all right. I can't, just the image in my head of when the time was like, no booze, but we can have these cigarettes. And like, so parties were just people smoking all night. Like smoking, they're not getting dancing. Up. Yeah, they just stink. Drinking pop and yeah. drinking soda. No, they get cleaned cigarettes. up. No, the cigarettes. Oh just, yeah, like, just everyone a cloud smelled like tobacco. Of cigarette yeah. smoke. Like that's just all they had was cigarettes. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like a ton of sugar. Like yeah, they're all diabetic and have lung cancer. Did they have the breath mints in 1919. Probably yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, they definitely did, because I think Altoids are, like, from the 1800s. Hmm. Anyway. So it would usually be an all-night party in every town along the way. It surely was a great gesture that the men appreciated, for now. Fortunately, many of the roads through Ohio were paved with brick and well-maintained around their cities, uh, so the travel issues were still manageable. Uh, There was a lot of brick factories in Ohio, like, ton of them. Okay. So they just bricked everything. Oh, quick note. It would take 500,000 bricks to do a mile. Holy shit. Yeah. Imagine that. All right. Uh, But they did hit some mud holes and roadwork detours in a few spots, and they broke through a bridge in another, but all in all did okay. Uh, The convoy would do about 70 miles in a 10-hour day on average. Uh, Bridge repair would continue to be an issue for the remainder of the trip as most were built to hold a few horses and a buggy, not huge several-thousand-pound wrecker truck. Uh, But with all their breakdowns, bridge repairs, and shoddy strategy, uh, by by the time they'd hit Indiana, they were starting to hit their stride and get a handle on how to organize the trip. They'd start to, like, send the kitchen trailers ahead, so they would, you know, when the guys got there, there was food. So things like that. So... As they blew through Indiana and Illinois, dealing with their usual issues, uh, they had a new issue to contend with, dust. The fine dust that would kick up from massive dry fields blew across the convoy like an angry swarm of locusts. Men could barely see the vehicles in front of them. Carburetors would clog up, and trucks found themselves buried in silt. Uh, As they pressed on, they learned that one of the best methods of dealing with this type of terrain was to just chain each truck together and let them all kind of pull each other across the dusty plains like some sort of human <laughs> like some sort of human centipede old timey vehicle yeah yeah is that what you were thinking oh my god i just love it yeah. i really can't stop picturing any of these guys have got seven cigarettes in their mouths uh-huh. at one time yeah oh that's great okay so 
yeah, it was just like all Lincoln together, pulling through dust. Um, Iowa didn't offer. That's why they called it the Lincoln Highway. Yeah, link them together. Yeah, <laughs> Iowa didn't offer much more in terms of better terrain. Uh, the dust ruts in the roads were ten inches deep, and the farther west the convoy got, the less they came across any paved roads. The trip was starting to wear on the men a little, uh, but little did they know they had it easy up until this point. Once in Nebraska, where paved roads were looked at as luxury at the time, the convoy hit steady rain, and all that fine, silty dust mixed with rain turned the roads into pure grease. It was some of the worst traveling of the trip. Vehicles would burn out their bearings from spinning out in mud, trucks were buried to their axles, and the tractors worked overtime pulling out stuck drivers. Uh, one of the kitchen trailers, which were known to be just rickety piles of shit, they determined by, like, by Pennsylvania, like, these are not well built. Uh, finally fell completely apart and had to be shipped out by rail to the next town. <laughs> huh. like, so these are the first food trucks? Essentially, yeah. Okay. Uh, some of the veterans on the trip who had fought in the Great War only a few months prior made statements that the Nebraska mud was worse than that of no man's land in France. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. On, yeah. On one stretch from Lexington to Gothenburg, it took 11 hours to go 30 miles. The trip wow. through Nebraska would turn into a Groundhog Day event of get stuck, trek through knee-deep mud, get pulled out, push out other trucks, and repeat for days on end. And though the men would usually get to stop off in a welcoming town most nights, they were all getting completely burnt out from the hospitality and fanfare. I can only And the cigarettes. Like, well, I can only imagine after spending a 12-hour day being buried in mud, driving a truck that tops out at 10 miles per hour and has no power steering, the last thing I would want to do at the end of the day would just go to a huge party. You want to get clean and go fucking go to bed and fix your truck. I don't know. I'd be at least intrigued. But like, we're having a Mountain Dew and cigarette party. I still can't. A Mountain Dew and cigarette party at age 13 would, would be have been phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you got the right one baby <laughs> ah, fuck. oh fuck all right so as the slow and painful trip through nebraska eventually came to an end the troops were relieved to finally start gaining some altitude as they traversed into wyoming though the mud was starting to turn back into fine moon dust uh, a new issue was hitting the convoy that being thin air the vehicles began running like shit and sucking air uh, to burn more fuel, which in turn led to more fine, dusty air getting sucked into engines, thus causing more breakdowns. And as they pressed on from Cheyenne, the mountain passes offered nothing but dusty, rocky paths uh, that would shred their tires to pieces and break the troops' spirits. And speaking of broken things... Uh, Wyoming was a slow-moving leg of the journey, and that's due to the fact almost every bridge... Uh, the convoy encountered had to be shored up or completely rebuilt to get these fucking trucks over it. Uh, the dry, high desert air made every piece of wood as brittle as porcelain. In total, the Army engineers had to rebuild a, uh, at least a dozen bridges in, in Wyoming alone. Uh, it just was a huge pain in the wow. ass. Yeah. Imagine every bridge you get to, like, all right, stop. We got to fix it before we can even go over it. I didn't even like driving over bridges. Mm -hmm. Oh, you wouldn't have liked it then. You'd break through. Uh, so though the men were over the endless parties at each stop they made, as they traveled west, the towns they were stopping in were tiny in comparison to the ones out east. 
Uh, so they could relax a little easier at their at their stops. Uh, but there was one big mountain city left before the last push into California, that being the Mormon Mecca of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, if the Nebraska we get on the salt flats, some, set some speed records. Oh yeah, did they really? Oh yeah. Well, oh, I'll cool. get I'll get to this. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, speed records. Okay. If the Nebraska mud and high desert terrain of Wyoming was a challenge for the convoy, then Utah would be the hell spawn of the past two states combined. As the convoy hit Utah, they were met with more nightmare mountain passes, slick rocky terrain, and more bro- uh, broken down vehicles. After several days of driving, they finally made it to Salt Lake City and were met with the usual hubbub that each city before offered. As the motor train of vehicles limped through the city looking worse for wear. Uh, but hanging out and getting schmoozed by the Mormons wasn't the only thing the army had to do. They had a convoy to finish. They had a time frame to do it. Uh, which they didn't really meet, but anyway. Did they, what the fuck did the Mormons give them? Did they smoke? Could they, could they smoke in 1919? They couldn't give them coffee or anything hot. No hot drinks, no booze. <sighs> A bunch of fucking sweet food. And Oh, uh, well, yeah, they do bake. Yeah. yeah. Like, every place gave the, like, there was food, there was accommodations. They would open up their theaters and dance halls and so on and so forth. It was... You're just all about the parties. You're just blown away. By I am. I'm blown away by a cigarette Smoking party. Cigar- cigarettes and eating chocolate. It's like when uh, Kramer uh-huh. and Seinfeld turns his apartment into a uh, smoking lounge. I was waiting to see if you could make it an episode without talking about Seinfeld. Do you want me to start over again? Nope. <laughs> we are over an hour and a half in, I think. Oh, yeah. I got nothing to Where do. The <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> all right. Uh, so after their stay in the city, they headed out the next morning to fully encounter the fresh hell that was the Salt Flats. Uh, this is where the real fun began. Almost instantly, their their main wrecker known as the Militor, which was a custom-built 4x4 artillery road tractor that was a fucking beast. Like, the thing pretty much, at one point, it towed every vehicle. thing was a monster. Um, uh, it finally gave up the ghost. Uh, after getting buried in four feet of mud and had to get dug out by hand. And it was just <laughs> fucking spent, so they shipped it back to Salt Lake City so it could be sent by rail to San Francisco for the rest of the trip. So though though they were down their main vehicle, their main vehicle towing savior, it really didn't matter, though, because the salt flats were like nothing the troops had experienced before. Every vehicle broke through the thin crust. Remember, thin, narrow tires, heavy trucks. Oh, yeah, okay. So they they broke down through the crust, and they were just sunk axle deep into the fine, dusty terrain and didn't move an inch. The men had to chain every single vehicle together and then literally pull them by hand across the basin. It took days in the baking dry sun to limp each truck along a mile or two at a time. They almost ran out of fuel and water while battling the brutal conditions. Uh, the whole fleet had to spend the entire night out in the flats because they barely moved. Uh, but if anything can be said about the men of this convoy is they had heart and managed to finally kick. That's insane. Oh, I got pictures of it. You should look at it. Wow. So Managed to finally kick Utah's ass and make it to Nevada, but now being five days behind schedule. Like, every piece of wood they could find, they would put it down to try to drive on, and it would just get buried. And the next one would drive over it and get buried. And it was a fucking nightmare. Utah was the worst. Like, I mean, think of Utah. Look at all the pictures of how beautiful Utah is. 
Imagine that with no paved roads. Well, yeah, it's like any gorgeous place where people travel to mm-hmm. now, and like you can get everywhere easy. You're within yeah. 15 minutes of the bathroom, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like so. This is like almost like a reenactment of like fucking like the move out west, like the Donner Party, essentially. But they're yeah. dragging cars. Yeah, they're literally pulling cars. I just remember reading about like the salt flats when they would make it out there. Like it's because it fucks with your head too. Yeah, because you can't. Nothing looks. You can't judge distance. Mm-hmm. So not only like the heat and all the conditions, but you don't know where you are or how far you are from the thing you think yeah. you see. It's wild. Yeah. Oh, and at nighttime too. I mean, this is late summer. It's still getting down into like the 30s and yeah. 40s. Yeah. It's cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, though Nevada wasn't a walk in the park, with its nonstop 20 mile an hour crosswinds, janky ass mining roads, and dusty desolate, uh, desolate mountain passes, it was still it was still far from manageable. Jesus, I fucked this all up. It was still far more manageable. <laughs> well, I I got a page. I had my page breaks fine, and then I added two things when we were sitting here talking, so it threw me. I off. was so fucking worried that I had something out of order, and I, I it actually was. No, I it's it's right. No, it's you're just, fine. Don't worry okay. about it. I'll watch you talk. It was still far more manageable than literally towing their several thousand pound trucks by hand through the Bonneville Salt Flats of Utah. Uh, the troops entered Nevada in their usual stretched-out convoy of half-running vehicles spread out over several miles. Uh, and while here, <clears throat> uh, and and while here, the state would claim another vehicle on its journey. While heading up a steep grade, the second kitchen trailer finally got taken out as it rolled off the bank and was smashed beyond repair. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kitchen trailers were just. I think in one town, the fucking cook oven just fell off the back on the street when they first got there. Like this big grand parade <laughs> fucking cook stove falls off the street. Oh, they were just shit. I don't know. I'm getting such a kick out of vehicles falling off of things in your story. I just, I'm really enjoying this. It was constant. I just yeah. like, <laughs> just a swarm of 200 fucking chain smoking soldiers that uh-huh. just like, I'm picturing the guys from, uh, oh, the hip, 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 hip guys from uh, Blues Brothers, you know, the yeah, SWAT yeah. guys, but just with lots of cigarettes in their mouth. Yeah. So, <laughs> though the convoy had their setbacks, they still pressed on. Uh, They reached one of the steepest, most dangerous passes outside of Carson City and crept over it at a blistering four miles an hour. But as they descended, they were met with the welcoming roads of the Sunshine State known as California. Uh, The past few decades had been pretty good for the land of fruits and nuts. Due to the gold rush... uh, Gold rush... Are you making fun of the Castro District? No, they they have (laughs) fruit trees and nut trees. What are you talking... You fuck! I swear to God, you know I'm gonna cancel you. That was bad. <laughs> I didn't. Mean yes, I obviously wrote it like that. All right. Due to the gold rush, um, commerce and massive amounts of industry popping up throughout the state, people were actually moving there at the time, unlike today. Uh, so the state had all sorts of tax dollars to throw at creating infrastructure and building roads, roads that the army convoy were beyond grateful to traverse. Uh, Each stop was a huge shindig, like always, where the troops were treated to sweets, hot baths, and endless cigarettes. Uh, Of course. (laughs) The Cali leg went smooth. (laughs) With nothing... (laughs) What? That was the most common way to die in California in 1919, was to fall asleep in a bath with a cigarette. Uh Uh-huh. Probably. (laughs) Or, or, no, no, it wasn't. Uh, Nothing more... uh, The Cali leg went smooth with nothing more than usual hiccups and breakdowns. Uh, But by the time they hit Oakland, the men of the fleet were ready to be done with this adventure. 
So on the morning of September 6th, 1919, after 62 days of one of the most grueling road trips uh, in history, the entire convoy was ferried from Oakland to San Francisco, where they made their final stop at Lincoln Park, where a grand ceremony was held with the dedicating of the final mile marker of the journey, the end of the road. When it was all said and done, nine vehicles didn't make the journey, and over 20 servicemen were injured (laughs) (laughs) on one road trip. All right. They all have cancer. (laughs) They probably did. I guarantee everyone smoked unfiltered cigarettes back then. (laughs) All right. So next time you find yourself in a butt-numbingly long road trip in your climate-controlled vehicle being bored as shit as you drive on smooth, paved roads, you should just shut the hell up and enjoy the ride. Enjoy it. Because if it wasn't for the men who had to go on one of the worst road trips in American history you might not be enjoying that drive in the first place. You see, back in 1919, there was a young officer riding along with that convoy who got to experience all the hell that that trip had to offer. And that officer went by the name of Dwight D. Eisenhower. The same Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a famed general in World War II and later became President of the United States, who went on to endorse and sign the Highway Act of 1956 which unlike past U.S. highway legislation, uh, this one was uh, designed the interstates to be an all-freeway type system with nationally recognized standards for construction and signage. It was a massive leap forward for motor transport across the U.S. Ike claimed he was inspired to push for the legislation after his experience using the German Autobahn in World War II and the horrible journey he took across the U.S. in 1919. The end. No shit. He yep. was there, huh? He was there. Smoking cigarettes with everybody else, was he? Probably. <laughs> you really like that. Yeah, that, I loved it. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's awesome. They probably would have had booze, but uh, I'm pretty sure you couldn't get it. You could make a long comedy out of that, I you, think. Probably, yeah. That's great. Because I, I don't believe, well, I don't think there was any fatalities. There was a serious injury. Well, then you can, that's when you can make it funny because nobody died. I yeah. mean, later on they died from all the cigarettes. Yeah. So but. the book I read was American Road from Pete Davies. Uh, it was really well done. A lot had to do with the, you know, the journey itself and the politics around the Lincoln Highway and all the automobile industry along the way. Like usual, left out a ton of stuff. Uh, there was a lot of great information, a lot of great side stories. One of the servicemen got married on the way. Like, to one of the other servicemen, or to somebody in no, one it was nineteen nineteen Mormons. No, uh, a girl he met in like Indiana. Okay, for a day. Yeah, married in under a day. Uh, so yeah, but roads were absolute dog shit <laughs> back then, and I highly suggest uh, googling nineteen nineteen transcontinental motor convoy, and some of the pictures are just fucking insane. I'm going to. I'm going to show Chris one. Oh, listen to my reaction. Okay. This what is, is this, the, this is the Salt Flats one in the lower right. Fuck you. No fucking way. Look at all those pictures. Go through all those pictures. Like, look at how there's a bunch on the mountain They're passes. just pulling the goddamn trucks. I told you. They literally pulled trucks by hand with fucking chains. No fucking way. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't make it. I know. Because it's I, tough. I, yeah, exactly. Where's the toilet? My butthole has to poop again. Anything we've ever talked about <laughs> on this, I wouldn't be able to do. I know. I Just know. Just saying. Oh, God. That was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. 
So that was very PG story. Very nice. Uh, low key. What were you looking at? The time. It's a fucking hour and 40 minutes. This is insane. Is it, are we going too long? No, well enough. I liked it. We told I, you you're all getting a long episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. That was very good, Snorri. You're quite welcome. My ass is dead from sitting here. This Do you have long. anything else to tell me? Uh, let's see. Nope. Check out those pictures, and that's it. I'm going to close it out and call it a call it a wrap here. Hey, everybody should have a cigarette party. Have a cigarette and Pepsi party and make sure you eat a bunch of chocolate and then marry the first woman you see. One day fiance. You yeah. imagine just the mouth, just the breath from smoking that really many cigarettes bad. all day They did long. offer cigars, too. Even worse. Uh-huh. I like the smell of a cigar. I don't like the smell I of like a cigarette. I like the smell of a pipe. I, yeah, okay. All right. I'll give you that. I'll take pipe tobacco. That's that's pretty good smell. That was good. Thank you. Oh, yeah. you're quite welcome. I thought you needed something a little lighter after all Thank the Thank fucking God. I'm dead, goddamn black, burning it. bodies Jesus in the Christ. desert. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. So There's so much shit I wanted to talk about. I just couldn't. Oh, there's just no yeah, not enough like time. Like usual. I would recommend, I mean, yeah, both of these books, but just real quick, anybody, I mean, I realize this book's like 15 years old, so probably some people have, like, people, like, people have read it, obviously, mm-hmm. but you should check out this book, The Devil's Highway, because um, it was, holy shit, I didn't talk about, That's like, intense. Like, this one lady, this, was it Rita Vargas? Uh, she's a Mexican consul in Calexica, mm-hmm. that, like, what she did after these guys, like, once they found them, like, just, just to, like, the work she did for months just to find the families, yeah. just to tell them what happened, Oof. it's so fucking horrible. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, maybe they just should have gone on a different road and uh, smoked cigarettes and drove a Model T. We wouldn't have let them in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, the border was probably still open then, wasn't it? I don't know my history of that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, no, 1919, it was starting to get contentious down there because there was a Pancho Villa and all that going on. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm... the first um, – what was it? Yeah, it was down, I think, in Texas. They had to send a motor convoy – to uh, resupply troops who were fighting. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It was like the first, I think in 1916 that was. Okay. So that was talked about in the book as well. So tie-in. Oh, um, yeah, that's because that's why we didn't get like, that's why we hesitated getting into, well, one of many, many reasons we hesitated World War, entering World, World War One because Down we South was getting a little Mexico. rough. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. I guess that's it. That's our longest episode by far to date. Best? Hope yep. Best? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> If you notice, we're probably falling apart at this point. We're I'm so not, tired. We're not um, endurance podcasters. Real quick, one last time. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, the shout that out. Yes, real quick, one last time. Uh, yeah, get on uh, hikingwithstar.com and support Michelle because she's just two uh, R's. Yes, two R's in star. And, yeah, just go to support, go to donate now, and donate whatever you can because I just think it's so cool that somebody's actually, instead of just talking about it, that's a out, positive road like, trip. To, yeah, and you were like, yeah, actually doing something. Mm-hmm. It's just super fucking impressive. Hell yeah. So, yes, please go do that. Thank you. All right. Again, thank you guys for listening. Please share the show and consider supporting us in the Anchor FM link in the show notes. Uh, again, t-shirts are no longer available. So I might have some extra ones to give away on Instagram. I'll so give you mine. <laughs> give us a follow uh, at TS Podcast Official. And, yeah, you see our picture for today and all that jazz. So share the show with your friends. And that's it. Have a good one. Oh, adios.
<laughs> Adios. Okay. Yep. That's all I've gotten so far. I know that Maleta is So now, after is you, now, you're, now you're done with this story is like you learning Spanish dead in the water. Fuck no. I am enjoying it so much. I really am having a lot of fun with it. Supposedly it's good for your brain. I'm always worried about getting dementia. That's why I quit wearing uh, antiperspirant. And I, <laughs> I quit wearing... Oh, fuck. What was it? Oh, <laughs> shut up. No, I'm going to do that. Quit and I'm telling pants. you right now what I'm going to do, because this was such a fucking nightmare to try and like write that whole thing since yesterday. Yeah. I'm going to start I'm a half hour every morning. I'm going to write something a half hour every morning. I need a routine, and that's going to be part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get better and better. That's all I have to say. You should close it out now. All right. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to share. And we will see you on the next one. Adios, mucho gusto. (laughs) Bye, everybody.